Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Monday, the 22nd of June. India's coronavirus tally has risen to 4,25,282 with 14,821 new cases in the last 24 hours. The death toll, meanwhile, has risen to 13,699 with 445 new fatalities. The centre has told the Supreme Court that the annual Jagannath Rath Yatra in Odisha's Puri city can be allowed without public participation. Solicitor General Tushar Mehta told the top court that the procession is a centuries-old practice and must not be interfered with. The top court is scheduled to hear petitions seeking a modification of its order cancelling the yatra due to the pandemic. In Maharashtra, the state with the highest caseload, the number of cases has increased to 1,32,075, while the death toll is at 6,170. The Maharashtra police reported 55 new coronavirus cases and one death in the last 24 hours. The overall count in the Maharashtra police force has risen to 4,103. In a significant revamp of COVID containment measures in the national capital, the centre has asked the Delhi government to delineate all containment zones afresh, enumerate all households even outside containment zones, conduct a serological survey amongst 20,000 Delhiites and associate every district with a big hospital. In a meeting with Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal, Deputy Chief Minister Manish Sisodia and Lieutenant Governor Anil Bejal, Home Minister Amit Shah also instructed the Delhi government to send a detailed report to the centre on every Covid death in the city. This must include when the patient was brought into the hospital and from where, among other details. The state's Covid-19 tally has risen to 59,746 with 2,175 fatalities. Delhi now has the second highest caseload after Maharashtra. The increase in collection of daily samples for COVID testing in Delhi after being nudged by the centre has pushed up the pendency of results in labs by more than double within a week from 2,382 on June 12th to 7,489 on June 18th. The Delhi High Court has dismissed a public interest litigation seeking action against the manufacturers of faulty and substandard personal protective equipment kits. The Delhi High Court also stayed a probe against Sir Ganga Ram Hospital in connection with the alleged violation of the government's coronavirus norms. The court will now hear the case on August 11th. The Ahmadmi Party government has informed the Delhi High Court that a high-powered committee has decided that the accused in dowry death cases are also eligible for interim bail under measures to decongest jails amid the coronavirus outbreak. Tamil Nadu recorded the highest single-day spike till date with 2,532 fresh cases, taking the state's tally to 59,377. Of these, Chennai recorded 1,493 cases, putting the state's tally to 41,172. Vasantham, a DMK MLA from Rishivandiyam, became the second party leader to test positive for COVID-19. With this, the number of MLAs in the state who have tested positive has risen to three. AIA DMK MLA from Sri Perumbadur, K. Palani, is also undergoing treatment at a private hospital in Coimbatore. The total number of coronavirus cases in Uttar Pradesh has risen to 17,731, with 550 deaths so far. 57 girls living in a government-run shelter home in Uttar Pradesh's Kanpur city have tested positive for COVID-19 over the last week. Five of the girls were found to be pregnant. 
All of the 171 inmates were tested in the last four days and 57 of them, aged between 15 to 17 years, were found to be positive. The Uttar Pradesh government has said that it will soon start rapid antigen testing in the worst COVID-affected districts of the state. Karnataka's coronavirus tally has risen to 9,150 with 137 deaths. Chief Minister B.S. Yadirappa called an emergency meeting of concerned officials and departments today to discuss measures to control rising COVID-19 cases in Bengaluru. Bengaluru's police commissioner has instructed police personnel aged over 55 years to remain at home following the rise in COVID-19 cases in the city. The commissioner has urged all of them to avail the services of home guards. He has also directed police personnel to maintain social distancing, wear masks and gloves while receiving complaints from the public and refrain from arresting the accused unless it is inevitable. The infection tally in Haryana has climbed to 10,635 as 412 more people tested positive for the disease. The death toll in the state has risen to 160. The government will now involve 1,106 final-year MBBS students of 11 government and private medical colleges in its efforts to fight the virus. Nagaland has reported 69 new coronavirus cases, its biggest one-day increase. The total number of positive cases in the state has now risen to 280 with zero deaths. In another case of the newspaper industry being hit hard by the economic consequences of COVID-19 pandemic, 20 people were laid off from the Hindus' Mumbai bureau last Thursday. The employees, some of them senior reporters, have been asked to send in their resignations within the next few days. Additionally, around nine people have also been laid off from the paper's Karnataka bureau. Sources told News Laundry that the decision, as well as the list of people being terminated, came directly from the head office in Chennai. The list includes reporters who cover important beats in the city, photographers, designers and an editor on the desk. To find out more, do read Tanishka Sodhi's report titled The Hindu Lays Off 20 Employees from Its Mumbai Bureau. You'll find the report on newslaundry.com. Last month, even Times Group, the media giant that runs 45 dailies and periodicals, including the Times of India and the Economic Times, multiple websites and a bunch of TV and radio channels, and claims to have a 38% market share of Indian newspapers, has cut staff salaries and deferred increments. It has laid off dozens of staffers in its financial daily, the Economic Times. For more details, read Ayush's report titled Times of India Shuts Editions, Layoffs Begin Amid Uncertainty. You'll find the report on newslaundry.com. Not just in India, but the media world over is undergoing an unprecedented crisis due to the pandemic. Just go to the media section of our website and you will know what I'm talking about. Furloughs, pay cuts and layoffs have become the order of the day in the media. Add to that the increasing risk of journalists contracting the virus. At a time like this, dear listeners, we need you to understand the importance of independent media organizations like News Laundry. We are completely free of advertisements because we depend on people like you to keep us going. Ours is a subscriber-funded model solely meant to serve the public. Because when the advertiser pays, the advertiser is served. But when the public pays, the public is served. So go to our website newslaundry.com and hit the subscribe button on the top right corner of the website. Now for some international updates on coronavirus. Globally, the infections are inching towards the 9 million mark. Over 8.9 million cases have been reported worldwide, while the virus has killed at least 467,000 people. 
the World Health Organization reported the largest single-day increase in coronavirus cases by count at more than 183,000 new cases in the last 24 hours. Experts say that the rising cases reflect multiple factors including more widespread testing as well as a broader infection rate. The biggest increase was from North and South America with more than 116,000 new cases. An Indian man is among the two people who tested positive for COVID-19 in New Zealand, taking the total number of active cases in the country to nine after having none at all earlier this month. The government has announced that it is extending the ban on cruise ships arriving in the country as it looks to safeguard borders with new cases emerging of people arriving to the country. Africa has registered more than 275,327 cases and more than 7,400 deaths. South Africa alone accounted for more than a third of the recorded number of infections. African countries have come together to set up a one-stop shop to give the continent a fairer chance in the international scramble for COVID-19 tests, protective equipment and any vaccines that emerge. According to the Worldometers, the total number of cases in Mongolia has risen to 213 with zero deaths so far. The country is all set to elect a new parliament on Wednesday under the cloud of the coronavirus amid controversy over candidates flouting lockdown rules. Mongolia, a landlocked country of 3 million people wedged between China and Russia, has taken some of the world's toughest and most enduring measures to contain the spread of the virus. In March, it became one of the first countries to close its borders and schools and universities, which will remain closed until September. About 600 candidates are contesting the 76 seats in the single-chamber parliament. The ruling Mongolian People's Party appears best placed to take advantage of the unprecedented circumstances, partly because of the strict measures that have kept a lid on infections. 44,925 cases of COVID-19 have been reported in the UAE and 302 have died so far. The capital, Abu Dhabi, has eased restrictions to allow movement between its cities for all residents starting on Tuesday, but has extended restrictions on the entry to the Emirate by non-residents. Abu Dhabi, the largest and the wealthiest member of the United Arab Emirates, extended a ban on entering the Emirate without a permit for another week while allowing residents to exit the Emirate freely. Iraq is facing a surge in the number of cases. In less than a month, there has been a seven-fold increase in infections. The country reported over 30,868 cases. The health ministry spokesperson has said that the increase in cases was due to more testing and a lack of public adherence to the government measures. The country has increased its testing from nearly 4,000 a day in May to more than 13,000 now. Iraq is planning to test 20,000 samples daily by next week. There are 12,438 cases of COVID-19 in South Korea with 280 deaths recorded so far. Health authorities of the country said that for the first time it is in the midst of a second wave of the novel coronavirus infections focused around its densely populated capital stemming from a holiday in May. The Korea Center for Disease Control and Prevention had said that South Korea's first wave had never really ended. But the center's director said it had become clear that a holiday weekend in early May marked the beginning of a new wave of infections focused on the greater Seoul area. Now for some non-coronavirus news. India and China are holding a core commander-level meeting at Moldo on the Chinese side of the LAC to discuss the ongoing dispute in Ladakh. China has declined to comment on Union Minister and former Indian Army Chief General V.K. Singh's remarks that more than 40 Chinese soldiers were killed in the Galwan Valley clash in eastern Ladakh. 
China said it has no information to release on the issue. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Zhao Liajian during a media briefing reiterated that China and India are in communication with each other to resolve the situation on the ground through diplomatic and military channels. Meanwhile, the Confederation of All India Traders on Monday burnt Chinese goods in Delhi's main market Karol Bagh to demonstrate their resentment against the killing of 20 Indian soldiers in Galwan Valley last week. The Chinese have not shown any intent on the ground to withdraw troops from rare positions where they have amassed over 10,000 soldiers. More than four years after a 23-year-old Dalit engineering student who married an upper-caste woman was hacked to death in Tamil Nadu, the Madras High Court today acquitted the woman's father who was given death penalty and modified the death sentence of the five others involved to life imprisonment. In December 2017, six men, including the woman's father, were given death penalty by a lower court for the daylight murder of V. Sankar at a market in Tamil Nadu's Tirupur in March 2016. The young man's wife, Koshalya, who was with him, was also attacked by the men. Koshalya's father, Chinnaswamy, had allegedly ordered her husband's killing. The gruesome murder was captured on local CCTV cameras. The family, which belongs to the powerful Thevar caste, was allegedly unhappy with their daughter marrying Sankar, who belonged to a scheduled caste. The couple had been married for less than a year when the attack took place. Sankar died in the hospital from excessive bleeding, while Kaushalya took a long time to recover. She lived with Sankar's family, who are farmers, until she remarried in December 2018. Did you know that every three out of four anchors of flagship debates on Indian TV news channels are upper caste? Not one Dalit, Adivasi or OBC. Only 10 out of the 972 articles featuring on the cover pages of 12 magazines that were surveyed are about caste-related issues. Not more than 5% of all articles in English newspapers are written by Dalits and Adivasis. These are a few findings of a report that set out to study the representation of caste groups in the Indian media. The report, an initiative by News Laundry's Media Rumble and Oxfam India, is titled Who Tells Our Stories Matters? Representation of Marginalized Caste Groups in Indian Newsrooms. Do check it out on our website, newslaundry.com. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.